Hello. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman, and I am here with my co-host, Vala Afshar. And today, we are thrilled to have with us Ben Haynes, who is the CIO of Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer. Vala, how are you? I'm doing great, Michael. Great. And we have a <laughs> cheers. special cheers on <laughs> Pabst Blue Ribbon. And we have behind us, lined up, I don't know if you can see, a 30-pack, <laughs> which, which naturally raises the question, does marketing at Interacis run on beer? <laughs> and the answer to that is absolutely. <laughs> so, Ben, uh, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing really well, thanks. And you are one of the more innovative CIOs that I know, and you seem to be working with lots of different startups and doing all kinds of different things over there. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're, tr we're trying to move things forward, that's for sure, at a, a very fast pace. So, so Ben, let's, let's jump in. Tell us a little bit about Pabst and your role and what do you, you're the CIO and what does that actually mean at Pabst and a little bit about your personal background. And, and while you're at it, maybe you can tell us a little bit about Hostess Twinkies. Okay. Which the audience doesn't know has some relevance here. Yeah, so um, Pabst has been around forever. It's crazy, 160 odd years, um, PBR. And in mid 2010, the, uh, it was bought by a private equity firm, Metropolis and Co. And it, before that, it was owned by a, a private nonprofit trust. And uh, you know that the trust ran in a very different way to, to most businesses, I think. And um, you know, these guys came in, and they're, they're a couple of young guys, very, very entrepreneurial. Um, they, they really wanted to move things forward and, and you know, PBRs going in leaps and bounds. And um, so they looked at IT and they, they saw a, you know, quite a few issues. It was very under-invested as well. There's, there's, you know, especially in a, in a private trust, I, I think they kind of looked at IT and went, yeah, okay, the lights are on, we're good. And um, so they wanted to move things forward. So they, they brought me in. Uh, almost two years ago now, and I uh, went through and had a good review of IT, and it was a very, very traditional IT shop, everything stuck in a data center in San Antonio, Texas, uh, in an office building, and um, that's where it all happened. And uh, so I came in with, a, with an agenda to, you know, move things forward and get them into uh, a much more modern, fast, you know, agile environment, uh, which we've been striving towards. So uh, it's, it's been a, a very uh, fast ride and uh, it's been very cool so far. So before PAPS, I spent, um, oh, let's see, about nine years with Red Bull. So, you know, I'm following the cool brands, I have to say. <laughs> You'll be at Interacis next. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I worked with Red Bull and I had a very, you know, typical IT, you know, I, I Worked in the user services side and networking and system admin and um, uh, worked, uh, looked after Asia Pacific and South America, so I had a global responsibility as well. Um, and then I got into the, the business intelligence and application space. And I saw 
you know, massive change over that time and um, have to say got quite a bit jaded with IT and the, the mm. IT approach. Um, and that kind of, that led to me, you know, wanting to get out of Red Bull as well. It was a very, um, you know, for such a progressive company being held back by a department of no. Um, it, it, I had interesting conversations because I was the, the business would come to me and I'd tell them how to get around IT and I was IT. So it was, you know, it was kind of a interesting little conflict I was uh, <laughs> dealing with. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's how we got here. And in the last couple of months, I've been uh, helping bring back the Twinkie, uh, the, the owners of, um, of Paps uh, with the Apollo Group bought, uh, bought Twinkies. And uh, the company formed April 10. And um, we're hitting shelves in July sometime. That's great. That's great. That's great news. It's, it's, it's so, you know, so you have a company that's going through business transformation and, and you come in as a CIO and, you know, recently in a Harvard Business Post, it was a joint survey with HBR, McKenzie, Intel, and folks, I believe a two-year study. And in that study, half the CEOs said that the CIO doesn't understand business, mm -hmm. uh, the business needs. And they don't understand how to leverage IT and technology to help grow and transform the business. So, you know, you come in in 2010. How do you, how do you, what do you do to understand the business needs? And once you do understand the business needs, how do you change your IT strategy to align with uh, what your stakeholders need to grow the business? Um, so you have to talk to a lot of people. Um, and more importantly, you have to listen to a lot of people and so the, the first couple of months was a lot of listening um, and you know it's you kind of just got to let them have their say you don't take anything personal IT is always a good little punching bag mm -hmm. and um, it's it's awesome because when, when you, you're taking all that feedback and you can sit there and you can think okay I know how I can fix that I know I can fix that and it's it's all upside so you don't take it personal you just run through, you know, what are the problems you're trying to deal with, um, and you've got to go end to end. So you've got to understand where's the company going. So you know, I sat down with the owners, I sat down with the CEOs, the president, all the VPs, um, and then I went out in the field and talked to the field people. What challenges were they having? You know, and the first thing that stuck out for me, we had 85% um, of our people don't sit in an office. Wow. So. You know, when you look in a company like that, it's, okay, so where are our services sitting and, and how are we getting our services out to our people? Well, they're sitting in a data center in San Antonio on a 6 meg DSL line that everyone's trying to get over a VPN to get to their email. You know, so you just start putting little pieces together like that. It just doesn't make sense. Um, but so what, what I had to do was understand where the business was going. You've got to understand, you know, what's the profitability model of the business? How do we make money? You know, and and that's, that's what drives us, right? So you've got to understand that. But then you've got to get, you, you've got to have a base infrastructure. And then, so we talk about CIOs, you've got to get out of the infrastructure business. And I fully believe that. But if the infrastructure is not working, you can't do all the cool things. So... And this is where the, the, the SaaS really helped us because we moved, um, we had all the basic problems, exchange, falling over every week, you know, Blackberries that 
most people didn't like. Um, all that type of stuff. So I came in and within six weeks we'd moved from Exchange to Google Docs, Google Apps. And you basically free up all this, you know, junk that's going on of mails down and all that. And suddenly you don't have to worry about it. It's done. Everyone's getting their email and you move on. Um, you know, then I put in some security tools like Okta, so we have single sign-on. Um, awesome. I put in I put in Box, so we're not having to jump behind a firewall to see SharePoint. You know, so I started carving out all this technology, which I mean, we needed a good million, probably more dollars to replace just servers and you know, networking and all that stuff in a in a data center. So instead of doing that, I started carving all these the low hanging fruit. And people were productive straight away. So you know, we moved an office from Chicago to uh, Los Angeles, our headquarters. And they had this you know, big rack, all these servers, everything in it. We came here, I made sure we had two big you know, internet pipes. Everyone had Google Apps for their mail. And they had Box for their file sharing. And so no one had to get on the VPN. And, and we're, you know, we're productive straight away. So. so so aside from, you've just been describing really the, the kind of efficiency arguments of the cloud, that there's less infrastructure to maintain, and it's easier to get certain kinds of things done. So, that, so, so I categorize that under efficiency, and also probably operational cost. excellence. Yeah, yeah. Operational, operational excellence, exactly. That's a good way to put it. What about the advantages? Of the cloud for running the business and helping and you being responsive to the business needs. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So, so part of the strategy I put together was by using these SaaS services, I could change how IT looked as well. So, um, instead of having headcount in system admin, and I'm sorry, system admin guys. But you know, if you want to be a system admin, go work for a data center. Um, you know, instead of having headcount there, um, I moved headcount to business analysts and project management. And so straight away, we have a connection to the business where we can start helping them. You know, talking through what applications we need, talking through what business intelligence we need, and you you can really do that partnership. Um, and that also helps drive a conversation at uh, at the board level. So. You know, I, I established the CEO role um, into the president as well, and you know, you're you're not there talking about how many servers I've got to buy. You're there talking about how we can implement Salesforce and save two to three hours per salesperson per week, but not doing X, Y, Z, and they're all over it. You know, and that that's how you really change the conversation, I think. But even that is still an efficiency argument. You're not fundamentally changing. The, the nature of the roles or the nature of how the business is accomplishing its goals, you're still talking about efficiency. Or, or am I misplacing what you're saying? Uh, no, and there's nothing wrong with efficiency. So, you know, we're, we're driving efficiency in the business. Um, it's, there's, there's less opportunity to change fundamentally how someone does something. And when you look at our business model, um, you know, we sell uh, to our distributors and our distributors sell out to the retailers. Um, so we're a sales and marketing organization and 
that the focus has been getting efficient and and making sure that you know our employee base, which is our number one cost, is as efficient as possible. And so that's been a lot of the focus at the moment. Um, you know, we've done, also started working with our um, with our CMO and with our digital marketing teams, but even that is still about efficiency of tools and how the brand sites are working. And it's you know it does come back to a lot of that because without that, you know, we're not maximizing our resources. Yeah, you know, I see IT often gets a lot of blame when things go wrong, but you know they're not highlighted as an organization that enables success because when things are running smoothly, you sometimes forget about the operational excellence and efficiency that innovative CIOs and their departments bring to the business. So in terms of not just working with marketing or your digital team, how do you as the CIO um, showcase the value that your, that your team is bringing to PAPS? And is, you know, how do you market IT as a, as a thought leader CIO so that, so that the CEO and the other C-suite members can really see the benefit that, that you're bringing to the business? You know, I've never really thought about how do I market IT. I kind of like to let our results uh, speak for themselves. And, um, you know, it, it comes back to, like, the sales efficiency once again. It was really driving, driving to, you know, how can we help our sales team be out there selling more beer? And, you know, that's the objective. And so it's... It really is about the results, and and I've, you know, it's working because you start getting involved in the conversations. So you know, when something's happening, they're saying, "Hey, you know, we need Ben here to talk through this," and you know, there, there's probably a technical side of this which can help them. But without that, the run rate on the board and and some trust and and belief that you know you can help, you won't even get to the table. You know, so I don't do a lot of internal internal marketing, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I should. Um, do you but, attend the do you do you attend the staff meeting of the CMO or do you attend the sales meetings uh, when they're talking about go to market and so on and so forth? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Okay. And um, you know, so I interject, and I, I, it's it's another thing you know when you, you're you're getting some success because you are um, you, you're getting invited to those meetings, and a lot of it is just is just listening, um, but. As long as you you're there at the table, you can listen. You can start saying, you know, you start joining the dots. And this is this is one role that IT really plays. We we have to be across the organisation. So we're we're sitting in in uh, conversations, and we had an example in in one of our groups. They were doing something they probably shouldn't have been doing because it wasn't their skill set, but it fell in their area for some reason. And so I interjected and said, look. You know, maybe we need to move that particular function over to the other group, and you need to partner because that's their expertise. You know, it's a logistics type thing. Um, you know, and so it's not just helping with technology. And a lot of our discussions are, are about people process first, and then I might get to a technology. If we don't have to spend money and get to a technology, that's fine by me. You know, <laughs> we're still helping the business by talking through the people you've got and the process you have in place. Is it fair to say? based on your f first set of uh, comments that to earn a seat at the table you have to demonstrate re reliability and efficiency and 
and you know, as long as you're not getting inundated with help desk tickets, and you yeah. you have a reliable email system and collaboration system, and and business applications, then you have an opportunity to sit at the table. But if you have an unstable infrastructure, then all bets are off. Yeah, yeah, because that's you, you'll only hear uh, in general based on if there's an issue. You know, so. The only time someone's calling IT is when there's a problem. And you've really got to turn that on its head. And you'll always have problems. It's technology, you know. It's it's annoying. But um it's you've got to you've got to take care of those basics and uh and then you can get into the stuff that really helps the business. So, you know, we did little things like um, you know, the business was they're spitting out all these reports every <laughs> every month. And, you know, they were emailing them out and it was all too big and everything and so we saw this in a meeting and I just sat there and said guys why don't you know give us a couple of days let's engineer a solution where we can actually send all those files to box they'll all be updated and then you don't have to be sending emails around you just send the link out and everyone's done so it's a little it's just little things like that but if you weren't in that meeting you can't you know, help right. the So you're, so you really uh, are trying to be joined at the hip with folks on the business side. It sounds like. Yeah, no, it, it definitely, and um, you know, I want my my people to also experience it. And, and one thing I did a few years back at Red Bull, which was awesome, and I, I made my entire team do it. We actually went out in the field with our sales guys, with our marketing guys. Um, I, I rode in the truck for two days with our delivery drivers, mm-hmm. so you can start seeing, you know, exactly what they're dealing with day to day. Because if you're sitting in your office, you can, you know, have your theories about what goes on, but until you're out there, you don't understand. And we were driving around in this truck, and you know, they had this big, heavy handheld device. It was about two and a half thousand dollar device, and um, you know, I, I got talking to them. What are you really doing? And you know, they they spend five. Oh, sorry. 30 seconds at every stop, enter a few numbers in and go away, and then drive off. So we, we were able to engineer, not engineer, but we just worked through a solution where instead of this $2,500 device, we actually gave them a $200 iPod that could do the same thing. And it was way cooler, so they had the cool factor, but it was like slim, it fit in their pocket. That's and we, cool. we knew you could break a couple a year and you'd still be miles ahead of this big clunky you know, device. So it's just little things like that that really help. Um, you know, we've been I, talking about the cloud, and I, and I know from our past conversations as well, your really significant emphasis on moving to the cloud, moving to the cloud wherever possible. What's interesting to me is that cloud, social, mobile have created a new kind of mindset that is mm. really more open, more engaged, more transparent, and among users, especially in their attitude towards IT. So what have you seen as you've been going through this this transformation about these user expectations, and how does IT evolve to meet those expectations? Yeah, so a lot of that to me comes under the consumerization umbrella Mm -hmm. um, of IT, and I I guess you know five years ago, even we were we were dealing with ten years ago, especially you know a computer was really expensive, 
you know, if you got a laptop, it was four and a half, five thousand dollars, you know, whatever. You know, it was very ex exclusive. People used their work computer at home because they couldn't afford one. Um, you know, <laughs> now fast forward where we are today, everyone's computer literate. They probably have multiple devices. Um, you know, the, the CEOs were walking in with their iPads nice and shiny saying, hey, you know, hook this up for me. And IT was caught off guard. And the, the traditional mindset is command and control. Okay, that's our job. We've got to control everything because it's that's our job. Okay? And um, the end users aren't going to put up with that anymore. So you can think you're controlling everything and the reality is you're not and so you're better off to start to try and get ahead of it and start embracing it um, use the cloud solutions to minimize some uh, minimize some of your internal costs but also get some agility and so you can be seen to be more responsive using those those solutions and start embracing um, if you look at it so I take the, the a viewpoint that we're the problem. IT is the problem. You know, it's not our consumers of of, of hmm. technology. It's IT and how we react to what's going on. So you need to embrace it. And by embracing it, if you can once again get some credibility with people, provide solutions when you really have to say no, it's actually not that big a deal to them because they you have that relationship. But in, in an operational, practical sense, mm -hmm. what happens when the CIO and by extension IT adopt the attitude that says if users are, are dissatisfied, there's actually some, I was going to say failing, that's not quite the right term. But ownership. There's, there's ownership that we in IT, thanks Vala, that we in IT need to own, own this. How do you, what does this mean? mean for IT in a practical way? So it, it means, so you mean owning the, the problem? Owning the problem, yes. Owning the problem, yeah. So you've really got to look at what are you doing and how are you doing it and, and really start listening to what your business um, consumers of your technology are wanting to do. And so by owning it, um, for, for me it was, okay, everyone wants iPads and iPhones, and this was before PAPS even. So you have a choice. You can sit there and say no, and a previous company I was with said no. Everyone will go and get them, they'll find a way around you, and then you have unsecured information, and you, you really, you know, it's, it's bad for business. Or you can say, okay, it's obviously you need, how do we help this situation? How do we find the middle ground? So you go and find a mobile device management solution, you put it in, you set up some policies. You, you, it's actually a conversation with your human resources team, with your legal team, with your IT folks. Okay, how do we enable this so our people can be more productive and, and we can be confident everything's secure and you move forward? So it's that change of that department of no. It all comes back to no, we're not doing that. And you need to change that conversation to how can, how can we help you and get the best for the business? So it seems like you're, if I can, my takeaway is you're, you're, the way you're balancing the need for innovation uh, f from, from your employees and the business and, and, and also the demand on managing costs, managing efficiency within IT, you're balancing
balancing the need for innovation and, and managing the other elements of, uh, of, of the business, specifically to IT, and again, in terms of cost and innovation, by collaborating more, by, by engaging in conversations so people uh, better understand the constraints that may exist financially or otherwise, and also collaborating to come up with alternative solutions. Is that a, is that a fair summary of how you're balancing these challenges? Yeah, no, I think that's a great summary. And you, you have to be a lot more open. Um, and when you start talking, so bring your own device. We, we implemented that at PAPS uh, pretty much from day one uh, when I got here. And I guess I slipped it in with a, a funky little policy to start with. Um, and then we worked through it, um, how to migrate people off. But, you know, it, it does come back to cost. And so you've, you've, I think a lot of IT people actually struggle with the real cost. Um, and this is actually one of the downsides to SaaS in some ways because you start showing the real cost for something. So, okay, my Salesforce implementation costs this per user and it's this cost per year. Right. And you start looking at that and say, well, what value are we getting for that? And it, it really puts costs on an island and isolates them, whereas in the old world we've sunk $500,000 in a SAN in our servers, we bought our licenses, we're locked in for three years, here's our 21% maintenance, and then let's throw on a few other things because we have capacity, so then you end up with all this, you know, VMware spread. So what's our real cost? Well, you know, it's kind of, you know, about this. <laughs> and then, you know, we make something up and we, we scurry off. So back to the, the BYOD, you, you've got to look at your real cost, what's your cost of managing, um, and what's also the cost of, of you know, people doing what they want to do without security around it. Right. And are you tasked with determining operational or opportunity cost and what's the ROI of bringing a new, whether it's a SaaS application or otherwise, to improving efficiency and productivity and growing top line revenue or, or increasing the profitability of the business? Or is yeah. it a, okay, yeah. Well, it's a joint effort. So, so when we looked at this Salesforce solution, it's a pretty easy conversation when you sit down with the VP of sales and say, look, you know, what's the value of, of your, your salespeople not having to be in the office for half a day to create reports every week? Right. It's an absolute no-brainer. And you get that to our executive team and everyone's like, uh, yeah, um, okay, and that's conservative. <laughs> right. you know, so it, it really, it, it's got to be a partnership. You have to be partnering. Um, if they don't see the business value, then maybe you've got your calculations wrong. But you know, you, you really have to partner with with uh, right. years and years. What about in, inside IT? What kind of changes does this uh, when you shift technologies, as you're describing, from on-premise to cloud? What does this do to IT itself? It scares the out of them. <laughs> what was that? What was that? <laughs> Uh, I think we'll up a little bit. Um, I lost you for a second there. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's it's uh, fear of change is everywhere. And um, when a team, you know, I inherited a team here that had, you know, 10 year plus tenure, um, a lot of them, and um, keeping the lights on. So day one, I walked in and basically laid out, this is where we're heading. Um, this is the opportunities I see. And um, it was kind of get on board or we'll have a discussion. And I think as, as long as you're very clear, and, and the fear, you know, it obviously scared the, out of them, but 
once they processed that and once we had the dialogue, um, you know, and some, some people jump on very quickly, some will never. And, and this is the big, big issue. I think people have to realise that some people don't want to work like this and that's okay. But that's where we're going, so sorry, let's, let's have a conversation. But majority of people will jump on board and, and the, the first thing is job security. So, for example, my exchange administrator who's like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, he spends literally half his day with this stupid email system making sure email works because that's what exchange takes. So his initial response was, <laughs> okay. So then I just laid it out and said, all right, well, so we're going we're gonna to allow iPhones. You need to know mobile device management. Um, we're going to set up um, Okta for security. So you know, I'm going to need you to learn that. Then, and then just laid it all out for him. He's like, oh, okay, well, that sounds pretty cool. And I said, yeah, it is. It's a lot more interesting than watching email go across the server and make sure it doesn't you know, fail. Um, and, you know, and you have to be a Google Apps admin, but that will be five minutes a month. So you know, there's not going to be a lot there, but you get to learn about it. So a lot of discussions. So I had to talk to all my team, and um, some took a bit more convincing than others. Right. But um, you know, the defining moment with one of my guys, I literally, uh, it was November last year, we removed 12,000 pounds of equipment from our data center. So we'd moved everything, and we, I had to move to a hybrid cloud environment. Um, in, uh, we, we moved to Rackspace. So I set up basically a, a VMware environment for my legacy that I couldn't get out to the cloud, and then a, a public cloud for our websites. But yeah, 12,000 pounds of equipment. And, I, and I, it was one of the best days I've had, actually. It was tiring. But I literally unbolted every server I could and you know, like, <laughs> had a lot of fun. And by the time we got all this out, the guys, you know, the system admin, he's like, wow, I can actually see this finally working now. <laughs> and it took, took me a year to get him there, but, um, and he's loving life now. So That's awesome. So, yeah, you know, you've really got to, you've got to have a lot of conversations. Right. Be very clear where you're going. If, if, if you're not sincere with your people, you yeah. do more damage. Right, right. So this... Okay, so t my takeaway is that to go from department of no yeah. to department of yes, uh, or well, at least department of let's have a conversation. Yeah, um, exactly. You have to, uh, you have to, um, you know, really have sometimes tough conversations. Be mm -hmm. open-minded, be collaborative, but more importantly, it starts from the leadership, yeah. um, and and you set the tone, and like you said, and you know, if if there is if there's a difference of philosophy or if you don't have a cultural fit, it's more than just retooling. You may have to, you know, think about uh, a different team to, yep. to deliver the vision that you have. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the, the one thing you said there I think a lot of people misconstrue is you don't go from a department of no to the department of yes. Right. Because that is anarchy. <laughs> right. And, you know, right. both sides are bad. So, yeah, it really is about... How can we help you in a responsible way for our business that, that makes sense for everyone? You're just not defaulting to no as the exactly. as the exactly. as, as as the first answer. So so that, that, that's important. Now you're a social CIO, and what I mean by that is, you know you, you know you you you're you're on social media. You're certainly a, a collaborative CIO, and you're available. You're accessible. 
So how important, first of all, why, why are you a social CIO? And I get a sense, based on all of the discussions we've had already about conversations and collaborating, that, that that's an important element of staying relevant, informed, and, and a value to the business. But mm -hmm. why Twitter, for example? Why, why social media? And we actually have questions from Twitter in terms of how, how social is PAPS and, and, and your team. Uh, so, And aside from the fact that you make beer. So how could yeah. you not be a social yeah. CEO? I guess it's impossible not to be social at PAPS. But no, seriously, you're, you're definitely, you know, you're one of the most social CIOs in the world uh, based on your activity. So why is that? Yeah, so it all started just with a an interest in this Twitter thing, right? So I think it was back in 07 I got on. I can't recall. Wow. Um, so it's a general interest in technology and what's going on in the digital space and and all of that. So, you know, I was a typical, I think I looked back at my, there was a way to look at your tweets and I, I looked at my very first tweet and I think it was something stupid like I fell asleep on the couch or something <laughs> like that. So, you know, it was, I was just testing, kicking the tires, right? Um, then I, it took me a few years where, I, you know, I was just really watching and looking. Um, and then I started noticing that the access to people and the, the thought leaders that you can you can get to um, and interact with, and it, it's really really powerful. And you know I, I feel a little guilty in some ways because it's I just want to consume as much as I can from it. It's all about what can I learn uh, at the moment, um, but. And, and making contacts with people you'd never make. And, you know, I think I really, I, I probably met, um, I probably met Mike through through yeah, Twitter. We met through Twitter, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I met Ray Wang, who, who's been very, very influential and amazing thought leader in, in this space. Um, Nanshad as well, actually. Um, you know, so there's just amazing connections. And, you know, you can go to, Oh, there's so many, you know, user conferences and all of that, right. but it's a, you know, you're, you're, it's an intense environment. Everyone wants a piece of you, um, so it's 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 a little different type of networking. This is on your own time. If you get into a good conversation, cool. Um, but yeah, it really is about learning for me and and uh, uh, getting access to to people that I'm, I just normally wouldn't get access to. That's great. You're a big supporter of startups, and I know Vala is the same. Vala works with a number of startups, and you do. And, and I've been advising enterprise startups on marketing and positioning strategy, so we all really support the startup community. Are there any interesting startups, enterprise startups, that you're working with that you want to take a moment to highlight? Uh, yeah, there's one that is really cool. Um, that I can't talk about. <laughs> they're, they're still in stealth, um, but they're doing some amazing things in the data space. Uh -huh. And you know, there, there's a couple of things I look at. One is the definite. You've got to look at the life cycle of the startup and where they are in that. And so, you know, there's definition of everyone just thinks everyone's a startup. If you're seven years in, you're round D. Are you still a startup? I mean, technically, yes. But that's very, very mature. So you look at the risk and you're like, okay, that, that's a pretty good bet. This other one that I'm in with Stealth, they're, they're building this thing as, as we go. And it's really cool because 
you get at a, a very low entry price, but you can actually, more importantly, help shape and build a product and, and guide them with what is the real business problem we have that an existing tool doesn't doesn't help us with. So for me, it's a it's almost like a mini R&D exercise with money that actually gives us more benefit that I would find hard to justify or even staff internally. So it's it's really cool uh, way to augment your budget, I think. And uh, you know, you you got to live with a bit of risk, but you know, people always argue that. Um, there's a lot of risk there, but if you go with the big boys like IBM or someone like that, um, they just drop products and say, yeah, we're done with that, you know. So it can be the same thing just because they're big. So well, as, a, as somebody who has written a lot about IT uh. failures, I can assure you that going with big companies uh, does not eliminate the risk. It's a different kind of risk, but there is absolutely risk there. And that risk tends to have uh, more zeros after it, by the way. Yeah, no, definitely. So you, 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 we talked about startups, and you, you, mentioned, you mentioned some companies, you know, like Okta and yep. Box. What are some of the vendors? What are some of the companies that are providing real valuable technology? And it's funny, the companies you mentioned, we use that in Terraces. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so there's a, there's a definite alignment in. Uh, where we see value in, in, in SaaS cloud providers and other technology providers. So if you can name a few, and not just because of their technology, because that's important, but also their company culture, their responsiveness mm -hmm. to you as a customer. Are they social, as an example? Because I'm starting to look at vendors, and I'm starting to judge, and, and really, because I think social reveals their culture, uh, whether they're a good fit for our business. So. Who are some of the companies that you would uh, recommend? Yeah, so I guess you named the, 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 the big ones we're using right now. Um, we're, we're looking, um, we're doing a few things with Tidemark, mm -hmm. and they're a very, very interesting um, business performance management mm -hmm. uh, package. Um, and it, it's really important with any startup that you do have a look at the founders and, you know, What's their street street cred? How social are they? And and Christian uh, Tidemark, he, he's out there. He's you know he's on his blogs. You can um, you can see what he's doing, where he's heading, what he's thinking. So it's very very transparent. It's very cool. Um, so that's one that we're we're doing some work with. Um, DocuSign is another one uh, we use here. Once again, very cool. Um, getting that end to end electronic solution in place. Uh, we just started with um, Jobvite for our recruiting. Um, very, and, and this is the thing with any solution, uh, the SaaS providers, they're so quick to get things going. And if you can take the, and you should take what they offer as in the standard package, um, it, it's really, really cool because you just get it so fast. And um, we had the situation at Hostess actually where, you know, the company started with no employees um, back in April. So the first panic call I get is, "We need a recruiting system," and um, and the same with Okta. You know, I was, I was like, "All right, how do I could see this blowing up?" Um, you know, Okta and Box and Jobvite. These guys turned things on within 24 hours for us. We got it integrated into AD, and you're up and running. And it, it's really cool as a as a you know technology provider. 
to say, yeah, here's your solution, and you know, we're we're running with it. So, um, yeah, so just trying a, to a, a question from Twitter: Are you judging vendors by how social they are? Yes, wow. I do. I do look because once again, it, it gives you an insight into you know what they're doing and what they're thinking. Um, it's. I think a lot of companies though. Um, are still really struggling with what is how to use the solution and um, it's you know a lot of people still think it's a broadcast mechanism I think that's probably the best way to put it right they just it's just an, another channel to make an announcement they're not really engaging in conversations and I think right now it's not a deal breaker um, it's just another little thing you look at to say okay well that's that's kind of where they're at and the thing with startup as well is, um, like the one in stealth, they're not doing any marketing, so <laughs> you know no one knows about them yet. Right. So um, yeah, but no, it's it's a really good indicator for sure. So so as we we only have a couple of minutes left, as we close out, can you offer some advice to companies who want to work with firms like Pabst? What's the gate? What you know? Vala brought up. Uh, are you? Do you look for social? What else do you look for? Um, you know, be quite frank. Don't don't send in the salesman uh, with a lot of BS. Um, so no salesman know. for you. Yeah, you know it's um, these days you need to be you need to be very knowledgeable about what you're looking at and you can do so much research these days where I've had vendors come into me and I'm basically telling them about their product and wow. the, the sales guys all right because you can and this was actually a few years back in the IBM space when we had we were a big IBM shop at Red Bull and we had to go deep on everything and you know you're just wasting my time if I can read it on the web don't don't bother coming in to talk talk to me about it. So I need to you need to show me how you're going to add value, and, and you know how you're really going to help me solve my problems. And by the way, I'm not going to spend that much much time telling you about my problems either. You know, so that I get emails and phone. I, I don't answer my phone these days. My my office phone, I don't answer it because 99% of the calls are I'd like to know what your IT strategy is and how we can help you, and I just delete that because. It's out on the web. You, you go search Paps and, and, and me, you can see what my IT strategy is. Right? If you haven't done your research, why the hell should I spend any time talking to you? Wow. So that, that's kind of... It's uh, amazing. A few weeks ago, we had Kim Stevenson, um, CIO at Intel, and almost verbatim. Yes. Almost verbatim. Like, you that's know, one I haven't watched yet. I need to watch Kim and, and Dion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, but it's, 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 and I think I hear our own CIO say this that, you know, as a vendor, you come in there and, you know, ask for CIO strategy when you're prolific bloggers and, and yeah. you're tweeting and you're, and you're speaking at events. It's, it, if you're not taking the time to research the needs of the CIO and the business that you're pitching to, uh, you know, you're, you're out of the game. So yeah. that's, that's brilliant advice. Yeah, exactly. And you know, one thing, and this isn't this isn't set up at all, but I didn't know about you guys as in Interesis until I saw it in the digital space. And I've only investigated your products because of you know the relationships I've seen. 
and, and the people involved. And then I'm like, oh, okay, so what is this stuff they're selling? And, <laughs> and then I get to it, it's like, oh, this is really cool. But, um, you know, it, it really was that social presence that got me into interested into looking at what uh, your guys, what you guys are doing. And when your team came in, it was a demo. It was like, yeah, this is how we can help you and go end to end, you know, the whole product. It's very cool. That's great. So there is that social component which creates a background context and a background foundation of knowledge and then trust so that when there's a deeper connection, you already know what you're getting into and they know about you. Well, by the time they get through the door, they already know about you because otherwise they're not getting through the door. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to waste an hour of my time getting you up to speed on on uh, things you should know. <laughs> Great. That's well, advice. I wish we could continue this conversation yeah. for longer. Time really flies. Yeah, it does, actually. <laughs> But we can't because it's the end of CXO Talk, and it's time for... Yes, these are cold, by the way. <laughs> I've got my 32-ounce beer here. All right. Oh, I, I, size does matter, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm Michael Krigsman, and today we have my uh, co-host, Vala Afshar, and I have been talking with the CIO of... Pabst Beers, Ben Haynes. And Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. We have learned a lot, and I hope you'll come back sometime. Absolutely. Right. Excellent, guys. Great, great chatting. Thank you. All right. Great. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you again same time, same place next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.